Disclaimer. All views expressed on this podcast represent the host and his guest, and not the companies or agencies they are associated with. This is Tony's Game Lounge World Tour, a podcast with a variety of guests from all over the world talking all things in the gaming industry. Here's your host, Tony Erickson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Tony's Game Lounge. I am your host, as always, Tony Erickson, and we are taking a brand new stop on the world tour season as we head on into Germany to visit speedrunner Nimplus. Hello. Hello. How are you today, Nim? I am doing great. I'm pretty sleepy, so if I lose my train of thought while talking, uh, <laughs> I apologize in advance, but all things considered, I'm doing pretty great. Excellent. This is, I think, our second stop up in Europe this season. I believe, yeah, I believe, yeah. This So uh, it's great to, great to have you on, and because you're brand new, uh, we get to do the passport check. So you're going to give us your favorite game, favorite game character, and favorite game soundtrack. Hmm, uh, game, uh, if, if you know me as a speedrunner, it's probably going to be a boring answer, but I probably <laughs> just have to go with Sonic Adventure DX. Okay. Or okay. Sonic Adventure 1, depending on what I'm doing at a time. Both are good for different things. Um, great game uh, in, in both versions. Um, my favorite soundtrack i'm uh gonna see this is very sonic centric um <laughs> i'm not gonna say sonic adventure dx again though um i think i will go with uh sonic unleashed Ooh, it's, that's a good one it's, it's not one where like i can like recall a lot of songs like from the top of my head but like I have the soundtrack like in my music library and whenever they come on it's just like the perfect vibes like I, I just love hearing all these songs from Unleashed they're, they're always like an excellent atmosphere and it's got a it's got a very good like a melting pot of the world soundtrack too and uh game character um either Knuckles so uh, but but I have one uh that's not from Sonic um and that would be Mayborowski from Night in the Woods, probably. Ooh, ooh, that's a that's a little bit of a deep cut there. I don't, that's I actually do not know who that character is. I don't, I don't think I've ever played Night in the Woods. It is uh, it is a game for depressed millennials who don't know what they're doing with their lives. <laughs> it's basically like um, <laughs> that's that's the best way that's the best description i've ever heard of, of a video yeah. game. <laughs> it is it is it is more it, it is technically kind of like an adventure platformer but it's it leans more into like visual novel kind of stuff so it's more for like the um for like the dialogue and the the atmosphere um okay the it, it's not some it does have a little bit of like platforming and movement but it's it's more like um you know the uh, the the f the f the format to to get to like the dialogue. It's not the point of the game. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool indeed. And what else is pretty cool is our headline of the week. Uh, a a very a very like lighthearted story. Uh, as we've been dealing with a lot of like heavy hitters for our headlines of the week. But no, we got a nice lighthearted one this week. Terraria has made some indie game history because uh, you know Terraria is kind of like an indie game small team developed it even though it's like kind of very mainstream success like minecraft 
Uh, but it's become like the first indie type game to break 1 million positive reviews on Steam. And to make that even better, it only has around 22,000 negative reviews. So really good ratio there. It's also one of five, one of five most reviewed games on Steam to have an overwhelmingly popular user rating. The other games to have this milestone are CSGO, uh, PUBG, Dota 2, and GTA 5. So good job, Terraria. Congrats, yeah, congrats. on the achievement. Uh, I've played only a little bit of Terraria myself on back when it was like first released on the Xbox 360. Yeah, I've only played very little of it as well. I, I do have it on Steam, and it was one of the first games I ever got on Steam, but I also only played it a very little like a small amount, but I, I heard it's pretty good, so it might be a good opportunity to uh, <laughs> to 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 revisit it. Um, unfortunately, like when I when I first got introduced to it, my 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 friend who showed it to me um, introduced it to me as basically Minecraft, but in two D, which I think probably completely misses the mark. And yeah. then I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't that, and then I was not very impressed. But probably like getting into the game again with like different non-minecraft expectations probably helps yeah uh, yeah that's that was just, i had the exact same mindset when i first played it i'm like oh this looks like minecraft but 2d so i downloaded the demo tried it out a bit and i'm like i really don't care for this but then as years went on and i see so much more of this stuff about terraria i'm like this is, this game is nothing like mine it's nothing like a 2d minecraft like yeah I've, I've heard like i i've i've not played it much again but i've i've heard like so much interesting stuff about it over the years so definitely uh need to give that a shot again definitely maybe maybe i can convince the game launch crew to maybe do a terraria night one night <laughs> hey who knows but congratulations terraria on the huge milestone uh, let's take a look at what else has happened this past week in the week in review covering news from the world of video games tcg and board games this is the week in review and to kick it off some of the games that came out this past week we had star ocean the divine force Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, and Bayonetta 3. A game surrounded by a little bit of controversy with uh, the voice actors, but the game uh, is out as of tomorrow, day of recording. So uh, hopefully it'll do pretty good. Uh, as for the world of video game news, starting off, co-founders of Rocksteady Studios, the developers of the upcoming Justice League Kill... No, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League game. Uh, Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker, they're leaving the company at the end of the year uh, to pursue new adventures. And they have come out stating that the game is all like almost fully developed. The, their, leave, their leave is a bit of a shock, but they're going to probably start up a new studio again and uh, probably get to work doing more. So good for them. In Witcher news, which is pretty exciting, the friend, the first Witcher game, the very first Witcher, Witcher 1, that's being remade from the ground up in Unreal Engine 5. Great news for Witcher fans and a lot of a lot more redemption coming from CD Projekt Red after the whole cyberpunk fiasco that kind of set them back a good amount. So exciting to see uh, Witcher 1 remake. That, I, it might get me to play the Witcher series finally. Uh, in Pokemon news, 
They revealed a brand new ghost type Pokemon, a dog. It's Grievered. And I gotta say, it looks adorable. But like every Pokemon that's a ghost type, it has a creepy Pokedex entry. And the more you play with this dog, the more of your life energy gets sapped away by it. Which is love. It's just lovely, is it not? <laughs> That's, that actually does sound pretty cool. I just looked up the, the design on Google. I'm, I'm very bad at keeping up with anything video game <laughs> news. Uh, so this is the, actually the first time I've seen it. But uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool design and backstory, I gotta say. I, I, I like it. I like dogs. It's got a little candle on its head. I, oh, I think yeah. it, 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 it's like melted wax almost with like the shaggy dog look it's given now that, that I think great. about it. So you know what? It's, it's good. Uh, Scarlet and Violet are also only, if you're listening to this on the 31st when this episode comes out, uh, it's only 19 days away. <laughs> or, or 18, depending. But basically, we're like only like half a month away from the game. Com- the game's coming out. So I'm very excited for that. And we're also we're even shorter away from Sonic, uh, Sonic Frontiers coming out. And in Sonic news, real quick, Sonic Prime released brand new posters. And uh, I don't know if it had a release date before, but it comes out December 15th on Netflix. Look forward to that. I know I am. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for, for Sonic Frontiers. I'm very curious what it's going to be. Um, also, maybe maybe speedrunning it. Who knows? I'll, I'll, I'll keep my options open. Yes, uh, speaking of speedrunning Sonic Frontiers real quick, I just want to give this time to shout out a uh, former guest we had on the podcast, AF Wagers. Uh, he recently put out a podcast himself uh, featuring Argic, Emerald, Savic, Dawn, and Trihex. Four of those uh, names you might recognize that they've also been on this podcast. They put out a podcast talking about Sonic Frontiers, speed, what speedrunning it could be like, and I highly recommend to go check that out as well. Uh, back to the news, Genshin Impact, uh, the 3.2 patch, which is set for next week, uh, November 2nd, they'll be do- debuting a brand new boss fight with uh, Fatui member Scaramouche and also the two brand new characters that you can start pulling for on the banners. I know that my boy Mello will be playing a lot more Genshin once that drops. We got, uh, I guess in just Fallout news, first, Fallout 4 is getting a performance update for the Xbox Series X and PS5 soon i believe it's set for just before the new year or once we're in the new year and amazon's fallout tv series revealed its first image which is basically just you know the silhouette of the vault dweller standing in the giant vault door uh but it still looks really cool i didn't actually know amazon was making a fallout tv series until i saw that so i'll be interested to see how it does and what it's about, and what they do for our location. Uh, Fallout fans can look forward to that. In, I guess, anniversary news, Age of Empires celebrated its 25th anniversary and announced that Age of Empires 2 Remastered and Age of Empires 4 are both coming to Xbox consoles in 2023. So that's pretty good. I have so many good memories screwing around in Age of Empires 2 as a kid. Of course, just screwing around, I didn't actually know how to play the game properly. <laughs> um, but I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, I, I did try to actually play it at some point, but I never really made it very far past the first set of campaigns. Um, so mostly it was just a screw around game, but I had a great time. So happy to see that one making um, a return. Yeah, Absolutely. 
in, I guess, some modding news in a sense. After 18 years have gone by, JB Mod, which was the earliest mod for the Source engine, which has given us great games like Team Fortress, Gary's Mod, and stuff like that. Well, that is coming to Steam for the very first time. Now, does this mean the end of Gary's Mod? No, not, not by a long shot. But it's really cool to see like the originist, the original, like earliest design of like what Gary's Mod kind of was come to Steam. So that's really cool. And in I guess political gaming news, uh, first one, this one's hilarious. Joe Biden is sweeping the nation and is a high-ranking multiple winning high rank in coming in top places in multiple guilty gear tournaments. Now, is this the real Joe Biden? Most likely not, but it's funny to see that somebody has claimed the tag Joe Biden as uh we ha as I have also had a good friend who has claimed the tag Gordon Ramsay. Uh, who has been on this podcast before as well. I, I mean, Gordon Ramsay is Gordon Ramsay. So that's th clearly a different person. But Joe Biden, <laughs> if if their name is Joe Biden, that's got to be Joe Biden. Like, I mean, you, you, can't just, <laughs> you can't just go on the internet and, like, pretend to be somebody, just make up stuff. Like, you can't do that. Right? No, no right. one would. No one would ever make no up stuff on would, the internet. Exactly. So no one would ever. This is definitely, definitely Joe Biden. Joe Biden in his spare time is kicking ass in Guilty Gear. <laughs> it's great. And also, um, over in uh, good old Britain, a modder for Trombone Champ, the very popular rhythm game that has come out, sweeping the nation, where you play the trombone. They have charted. Liz Truss's resignation speech. <laughs> that is incredible. One of the funniest things. And just a reminder, folks, if you have, I believe it's over, I can't remember the exact number of hours, but if you have over 45 days worth, uh, yeah, it's over 45 days worth of something that you've done. You have done that longer than Liz Truss was prime minister of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've done a lot of things longer than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you you now have something to brag about to your friends. Like for me, across all the Pokemon games, I have probably played more than 45 days worth of Pokemon. I've probably played more than 45 days worth of Sonic R. There you go. You get something. That's a. Uh, uh, it's it, I, I, it's what it's what a funny situation to find ourselves in with the world right yeah. now. Politics is absolute train wreck everywhere, but at least at at least you get stuff like this out of it. it. Exactly, exactly. So if you have trombone champ, please play the chart. Let us know how it is because, oh, uh, it's, it's it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I've seen and I've seen a man turn himself into a pickle. <laughs> uh, moving on to our TCG news, uh, the Charizard Ultra Premium Collection that is out right now. If you're listening to this on the Monday, it came out October 28th, uh, so you can grab those and grab more Charizard because I know that everyone loves Charizard. The v Mew VMAX League Battle Deck that comes out November 11th, and so does the next TCG set, Silver Tempest, and next year in March, the Scarlet and Violet base set. Those will be released as well. In the world of Yu-Gi-Oh! For Master Duel updates, Link, the Link regulation duels have ended. They have now officially ended. And they, we also got a new Dream Mirror solo gate. 
And also new cosmetics are getting added to the store. As of recording this, they haven't been added quite yet. They're getting added overnight. But uh, you should, if you're a Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel player, you'll probably have them right now. Because I know I'll have them. Because they're dirt cheap. I hope they're good cosmetics, though. God, I hope they're good. Konami has kind of been, you know, they get, they've given us not a lot. I hope that there's, like, some cool ones. Uh, but in the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG world, the Dark World structure deck, structure deck comes out December 1st. Dark Magician Girl accessories come out February 9th. And so does Photon Hypernova. And the structure deck Forest of the Trap Tricks is set for the TCG release on February 24th. And lastly, in Magic the Gathering, the Pioneer decks, uh, the Pioneer Challenger decks for 2022 come out November 4th. The Brothers War, which is starting to see a lot of its promotional material come out now, comes out November 18th. The 30th edition of Magic the Gathering, the Magic the Gathering 30th Anniversary Edition uh, is getting ready for orders to begin on November 28th. And Post Malone, the Secret Lairs drop, uh, Post Malone X Secret Lair Backstage Pass, which will feature cards from his personal deck. The lands will feature his tattoos. Pre-orders are available now for the November 28th full release. Uh, and that is everything. No board game news to report on this week. Do you have anything to add to any of the stories there and inputs? Uh, no, not really, to be honest. <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, with that, it's time for us to take a look ahead to see what's coming out. Here's what should be on your radar from October 31st to November 6th. From AAA titles to upcoming indies and random shovelware, here's what's coming out next week that should be on your radar. And starting off on Monday, Insomnus comes to the Switch. Necroboy Path to Evil Ship comes to the PC, and The Unliving come to the PC to round up Halloween. No releases on Tuesday or Wednesday, but on Thursday, Endling Extinction is Forever comes to the next-gen consoles. How to Say Goodbye comes to the Switch, PC, Mac, and mobile. The Chant comes to the PS5, Series X, and PC. WRC Generations and Die by the Blade and... The Entropy Center come out on everything except the Switch. Horse Tales Emerald Valley Ranch comes to the PC, PS4, PS5, and Switch. And King's Hunt and Outshine come to the PC. And on Friday, Demon Throttle comes to the Switch. Harvest Stella makes its release to the Switch and PC. It Takes Two finally comes to the Switch. And A Turn on Noctis comes to the Switch as well. And that's uh, everything that comes out next week. Any comments on any of the games there, Nim? Uh, no, none, none of these tell me anything, to be honest. I live <laughs> under a rock. Uh, I guess WRC is the Rally series. Rally is fun. I like Rally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for uh, for me, big one, obviously, it takes two. Glad that's coming to the Switch. It's been it one game of the year last year, so glad to see that finally coming to the Switch. Harvestella, kind of the big game this week. It's Square Enix's uh, farming simulator plus RPG elements. Uh, it was it's been shown off a lot at a lot of the more recent Nintendo Directs. Uh, but everything else, uh, whatever uh, you play, hope that you enjoy it. Uh, but with that, it's time for us to now dive into our main focus. Here's what we're talking about this week in the game lounge, covering a variety of topics with his weekly guests. Here's what's going down this week in the Game Lounge. And to start it off, 
we're talking we're talking we're talking a lot of speedrunning today. Uh, and to start off, we're talking Sonic speedrunning, specifically more of the retro Sonic speedrunning. But before we get into any of that, Nam, what got you into speedrunning in the first place? Well, the the first thing where I really got into contact actually with the speedrunning community was when I was um, fully completing Sonic Adventure 2 for the first time. And um, it basically, I was just like going through all the missions and trying to complete them. Occasionally, like looking up routes online. And then I saw like someone do a route online of one of the missions. And then I was like, hey, let me try to beat that. And then I, I went ahead and tried to beat it. Occasionally uploaded like my own runs. At that time, it wasn't really speedrunners I was competing with, just like random people doing like playthroughs and such. Um, but eventually, I kind of stumbled into speedrunning and I found a bunch of different runners like some of the earliest ones I remember were uh, Talon 2461, Darkspine Sonic um, running Sonic games and yeah that pretty much got me into it. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 was uh, like my main speed game for about um, like four years or so. I spent a lot of time on that. Um, I also dabbled also during this very early time of me speedrunning, dabbled in a little bit into Sonic Adventure DX, um, running some of the shorter categories like Knuckles and Amy, which actually nowadays is my my main speed game. Uh, Alpha already talked a lot about uh, Sadex, uh last in last week's episode. Yes. So if you want to hear about Sonic Adventure DX, go check out Alpha Dolphin's episode. So yeah, I, I run that game as well now a lot. Um, but yeah, originally it was mainly Sonic Adventure 2. Wow. Uh, just uh, so so SA2 was, in a sense, the first game you ran, in a sense? Yeah. Nice. What was your first full run that you did for a speed run? Can't remember exactly. The first run I submitted was um, a Sonic Adventure 2 Dark Story run. Um of a time of real time, I think it was like 47.30, something like this. Um, that was some, in mid-2014, I think. That was my first ever submitted run. But I've done a couple of Hero and Dark attempts before that. That was just the first one that I felt like what was decent enough to uh, put on a leaderboard. Nice. Nice. Uh, the main focus, because like you said, we talked a lot of Sadex, uh last week. That we're going to be talking a little bit of a diff, some different Sonic games this week. Uh, is to start off is Sonic Triple Trouble. I I've only briefly heard of Triple Trouble. I believe it was a game within Sadex. Uh, it is it is bonus content on Sadex. Um, Triple Trouble originally came out in the mid nineties on the Sega Game Gear on the 8-bit handheld console so it's an it's an 8-bit handheld basically yeah so it in, was sega's response to the game boy yeah exactly so it is it is one of one of the handheld sonic games uh, together with sonic 1 sonic 2 8-bit sonic chaos and then the really weird ones like um sonic blast uh tails adventure and tails sky patrol and I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, that's also an 8-bit version of, um, what's it called, Spinball. But yeah, uh, Triple Trouble is one of those 8-bit games. Uh, came out only on only on uh, the Game the Gear. Game Gear. Uh, well, most, most games got like both uh, a Master System and a Game Gear port. Triple Trouble was only Game Gear. 
But it got it was re-released later, which is also the version I'm playing it on, on Sonic Gems Collection, so the uh, the game collection of re- uh, Sonic rarities on GameCube, um, and uh, then it was also included in Sonic Adventure DX. And in Sonic Adventure DX, it's actually the last eight-bit bonus game you unlock, so you get Triple Trouble as a bonus for completing Sonic Adventure DX for getting all 130 emblems. Ah, okay, yeah. I I remember it was in there. There were a couple in there. That was kind of how I was introduced to the game. And also, when you brought it up, it was Sonic Gems that I I remember the most of it. Yeah, that's a that's a great collection. If you if you if you got a GameCube and uh, you find a copy that's not ten million dollars, then uh, I can <laughs> recommend that one. Yeah, I, I'm thankful to have a copy and. Uh, I remember playing a lot of Sonic Fighters <laughs> the most <laughs> of it because it's like it was really only me and my brother who would play it. So we played a lot of Sonic Fighters. And uh, I think Sonic R as well is another one we played a lot. Yeah, of. that's that's uh, one we'll be talking about later that I also run on the same game copy. So that's pretty convenient. So how'd you get to speedrunning Sonic Triple Trouble? Um, originally, I I ran this like a very long time ago, um, also kind of not super early, but sort of from today's perspective and my early speedrunning days, I think it was like 2016. And there I originally learned it because um, I took my 3DS with me uh, on the train on the way to university. And the game also was released on the 3DS Virtual Console, and I just spent the time in the train instead of studying, uh, learning the levels and Triple Trouble. <laughs> well, actually, I, I played, um, I think, all of the, the 8-bit games that were available on, on 3DS, but Triple Trouble is one that stuck to me. And I, I ran it a little back then, eventually sort of put together the, the whole run, got a half-decent PB, and then I kind of retired from the game and forgot it again for, like, uh, how many years is it? Six years? And then about two or three months ago, I just woke up one morning, and I was like, I gotta play Triple Trouble again. And <laughs> from that moment on, I for, like, one and a half, two months, I basically was a full-time Sonic Triple Trouble player, and um, spent a lot of time, like, trying to optimize all my IELTS and stuff. And um, I'm pretty happy with, like, all my all my individual levels now. And my full game run is pretty decent as well. So I, I, I put a lot of uh, work into that game. It, it's just kind of funny that it pretty much came out of nowhere. Like, I literally just woke up one day and decided to do that. And that's how I spent, like, one and a half, two months, basically. Wow. So what what do, what's a, a Triple Trouble speedrun entail? Like, what does the run look like? At first glance, it's, like, a pretty standard, just, like, 2D Sonic platformer. That's, like, uh, the, the 8-bit games, despite being janky as hell, uh, they're, for the most part, completely glitchless with some small exceptions so there's no big like zips or level wraps anything like that that you see in the 16-bit games on genesis uh there's there's some small stuff in triple trouble but it's almost neglectable um it's basically a glitchless run so it's a lot of learning uh level layouts and uh, optimizing your movements and such and um the interesting thing about um the 8-bit 2D games 
if you're used to the 16-bit ones, is uh, the movement actually works completely differently. Like, at first glance, it looks the same, like you spin dash, you jump, and all that. But the way spin dashing and the way momentum and the way air control works is, like, completely different. It's, like, it's like almost, like, a completely different game series. Like, it feels like an entirely separate kind of thing um so the the first notable difference to like 16-bit sonic in uh i'm I'm not actually sure i'm not i'm not super knowledgeable on the other 8-bit games i mainly just run triple trouble so i i might be general over generalizing them here but at least in triple trouble you only have to do a one tap spin dash so in in the 16-bit games what you see runners do is to charge a spin dash they um they piano roll like all three fingers over the three action buttons uh, twice in a row in quick succession to get like a perfect six tap spin dash. Um, and in Triple Trouble, you don't have to do any of that. So you basically just tap once and you get the max spin dash speed, which uh, you might think makes it simpler. And it's true. Um, it is that part is mechanically a lot simpler, obviously, but I find it very fun because like the 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 six tap spin dashing and the complexity of spin dashing is always something that puts me off a little bit off of like sonic 2 and sonic 3 so the fact that you can just do quick one taps and triple trouble and get the max speed is really cool i i find and the other big difference is basically anything to do with air control and momentum and I guess related to that different states of movement. So um, the game is, is very strange and it doesn't tell you a lot of things, how these things work mechanically. But um, something you can do, for example, if you get launched by a spring, the character is not going to be in the ball form. So they're just going to be launching in their walking animation through the air. But then while you're in the air, you can press A, and then the character turns into ball form mid-air, and this ball form allows you to have a lot of influence over the trajectory of your jump. So you can use it to gain a lot of extra height, you can use it to get a lot of extra distance, or maybe even lower yourself more quickly. So um, in in 16-bit, I think it's a lot more... Uh, once you're jumping, you're kind of locked in with like your jump trajectory. But in Triple Trouble, you get so much control mid-air over your character, depending on at what timing you decide to go into ball form or um, what direction you press mid-air. So that opens up like a lot of really cool movement options. And um, yeah, also being in ball form while airborne or jumping in whatever way um, allows you to build up a lot of extra momentum. So there's some places where you kind of roll through tight tunnels where you can squeeze in extra jumps to gain more momentum. Yeah, that's that's really cool. The game is um, also, as I've said, it's very weird about different movement states and what they allow you to do. And I'm not sure if I even fully understand it, but there is some, like for example, the, the most obvious case that's going to be weird when you play it, um, you can't actually, if you play as Tails, um, you can't actually start flying when you're already in the air. 
Um, oh. So in, in order to start flying, you have to come to a full stop, look up, and then jump. And then he starts flying. But you can't, like, first jump and then start flying. So that is something to pay attention to. However, you can kind of avoid that by rolling off of ledges. So if you roll off a ledge, then you can start flying midair. So I think what's going on is that the game does not allow you to start a flight while it registers you as being in the jump state. So you can't jump and then start flying. But if you manage to get into the air without ever having performed the, te- performed the jump, you can start flying midair. And there's a lot of uh, tiny movement intricacies throughout the levels to basically make sure you're in the correct movement state to be able to then change that state while in the air, for example, rolling out of a tunnel to then uh, start a flight mid-air afterwards, after you fall out of it, to like cross a gap or something. Um, stuff like that. So that's a lot of like the, the movement in this game is is very complex. It's it's kind of funny because I and and another runner who also runs or used to run Triple Trouble, um, you might know his name. His name is Dark Pro. He is a former Sonic Adventure 2 world record holder. And he's also very good at triple trouble. And he said the same thing to me. Um, he got into, well, me too as well. We got into triple trouble thinking like, oh, it's it's just like a quick, you know, fun kind of meme project. You know, just like learn the level layouts, get some times done. It's going to be easy. But then when you actually start working on it, you know, just like how incredibly complex the movement is and how many small details there are that you have to pay attention to. Wow. So... How long is a speed run of Triple Trouble uh, usually? What's the world? Re- what's your PB and what's the world record? It's a, it's a bit longer than the other eight um, bit games, mostly because it has a lot of uh, waiting time in between, like on transition screens and small cutscenes and stuff. My PB is a. I'm about a minute away from world record in the Tails category. I think my PB is a high twenty one, and the world record is a high twenty. As you said, uh, as you were talking about Tails, it maybe so you can play as Sonic and Tails. Are there any other characters you can play as in Triple Trouble? Uh, no, which is weird because the game is called Triple Trouble, so I don't know why the game is called that. <laughs> um, I I think it might be referring to like the antagonists in the narrative. So you have Eggman, you have Knuckles, and you have Fang. That might be what it's referring to. Ah, but it's not entirely clear. I think. Okay. It's it's a bit weird that the game is called Triple Trouble and the first thing you see is, oh, you got two characters. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I was thinking, oh, do you play as, like, Knuckles as well? No, unfortunately no, he's, not. He's, he's, he's the enemy in this one. One of those rare, bad Knuckles moments. <laughs> so between uh, the 2D, this 2D game that you speedrun and Sonic Adventure DX uh being a three and the 3d sonic games you speedrun what are like what's like your pros and cons with each one of them i don't i don't actually speedrun a lot of 2d games um triple trouble is one of the few ones i do um and i also use i also dabbled into sonic one like two years ago um so I, i occasionally do 2d but not very often i think there is like a very when it comes to platformers, at least, a very fundamental difference between skill sets for 2D and 3D games. Like, in in 2D games, um, 
you don't have to deal a lot with like you know like 3d angles and movement and all that stuff like in 3d there's so much free movement and like different angles and curves and lines and in corners and stuff that you have to pay attention to and you don't really get stuff like this in 2d so in that regard it's simpler however that puts more emphasis on fully optimizing the 2d movement and also what i think is the central difficulty for me personally learning a 2d game is that you just can't see what's coming up like you actually have to remember the level layouts which is very difficult for me because i'm not used to practicing that like that's not a skill of mine being able to learn level layouts back in the day there's a couple of different games i tried um when it came out i tried learning sonic mania a little bit i before that at some point i tried learning sonic advance 2 and these games are just completely overwhelming to me because they are both extremely fast and the levels are massive so you have to you have to know uh like every single part of the level as it's coming up while you have like I don't know, a tenth of a second to react to what's coming up. Um, and constantly having to know what's coming up is like very difficult for me and very stressful, where, which you really don't have in 3D games. Like in 3D games, you can just look forward and see what's coming up and then react, which I can work significantly better with. So yeah, I think that is like a pretty big difference between, between the two. So transitioning then from 2D into 3D, Sonic R. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, considered one of the best Sonic soundtracks around. Oh, yeah, definitely. For those who don't know, what is Sonic R? So uh, Sonic R is a racing game, but I don't think just calling it a racing game really does it justice because it does being a racing game in a very weird way. So for once, the characters don't drive a vehicle or anything aside from amy and eggman but all the other characters um just run on foot um so it kind of looks like it is supposed to control like a platformer but it doesn't so uh i i i think a lot of people when they play sonic r uh, they they talk about how badly it controls, but I think it actually controls really well. The problem with Sonic R is that there's such a massive disconnect between what you see and expect how it controls versus how it actually controls. Because you see the characters running on foot, so you expect it to control like a platformer, but the characters actually control as if they were sitting in a car. So you have like drifting, you have turning radius and all that stuff as if you were controlling a vehicle. And I think that is such a weird kind of disconnect that a lot of people have trouble with this game. But once you get past that, I think it actually has incredibly good controls. And um, another reason this game is weird is um, Sonic R is an incredibly short game. It only has five levels. Um, but in order to complete it, aside from just winning the races, you can also get collectibles in those um, uh, in those levels. And there's a lot of like really weird 
dead ends and extra path and and uh, stuff that you can explore in the levels, which is also very unusual for a racing game. Yeah, it really is. You have, I think it's two uh, between one and two Chaos Emeralds per level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you have five coins yeah. that you can find in each level. And by collecting all five coins, you can then unlock a new character. Exactly. Uh and you see, it starts off pretty normal, where, like, the first character you unlock is Metal Sonic. You're like, oh, Metal Sonic, cool. That's pretty dope. But then, like, the remaining four, three, four characters you unlock are kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got, what is it? It's the Tails doll. Yeah. Metal Knuckles. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The and and the egg robo exactly. Oh, and then and then supersonic, but that's when you collect yeah. all your chaos emeralds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those those are really weird characters that like never show up again. Um, which especially like Tailstall obviously is kind of a meme because it turned into this creepy pasta thing. Um, but Metal Knuckles is an incredibly cool character design, and I'd love for that to return. Have they ever used Metal Knuckles in any other game aside? I, I don't aside think so. From R? I don't. I don't think so. That, that's so weird because at least with the Tails doll, you see the Tails doll again in Sonic Adventure DX as a shooting target for Gamma. Yeah, I. I don't know. Maybe that's like like a collectible or something like in Sonic Generations or something. You know, like one of these cards you can collect or something like this. I have no clue. I'm, I might be mixing stuff up. I don't even know if that something like that is in Sonic Generations. But may, maybe Metal Knuckles is like a collectible somewhere, but he's not like actually a character in the game anywhere else aside from uh, Sonic R. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty pr- pretty weird. Even looking up Sonic R right now, the only screenshots from any game he's been in is Sonic R. Yeah. So you get the the beautiful, like, very early 3D, spiky, uh, low-poly Sega Saturn models, which uh, look fantastic. I love those. So what what, so what drove you to doing Sonic R speedruns? I'm not sure, honestly. I've never... <laughs> I've, I've literally never played that game casually in my life. Um, <laughs> it was just like... I was already into speedrunning by that point. I think I started in like late 2017 or 2018 or something like that. I was just kind of like, you know what? Sonic R looks like a fun speedrun. So I just bought a copy of Sonic Gems. And I started speedrunning Sonic R without ever having played it casually. And it was a great decision because I think Sonic R is like an incredibly good speedrun. And like one of the most like underrated ones i think in in the sonic franchise like it is it is it is short it is accessible it is very easy to get into and it is extremely competitive um so yeah i can recommend giving it a shot it's 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 a fantastic run because world if, if i'm correct me if i'm wrong world record for like any percent of that game is like 10 minutes if not a little over Oh, it is much shorter. So, um, uh, any any percent, um, well, the the standard category would be any percent now out of bounds. Um, I genuinely cannot recommend the out of bounds category, at least not for any percent. That is not a good run. It is funny that it, it that it exists, but it's not a good run. Don't don't <laughs> don't even bother because it's like mostly just like you. It, it's like beating your head against the wall, and at some point you win. Um, <laughs> 
it, it is it is very silly. Um, it does not make for a very good speedrun, in my opinion. Um, but the any percent no out of bounds category um, is fantastic, and beating the game without any glitches, without any out of bounds, takes you. I, f I, f I forget what the real time records are at right now, but the in game time is like under six minutes, and I think real time on GameCube is like eight minutes something the record on pc with instant load times it's even faster and uh then the out of bounds category is like under four minutes real time oh my god that's disgusting yeah and then i i said there are collectibles for 100 percent in the game yeah um so those obviously make the run longer so doing 100 percent without any glitches Still doable. Record is under 14 minutes. Wow. So like 13 something. Like the game is absurdly short. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's still... I remember watching... Oh, oh God. Who was it? Who was... Was it Risaru who did it at the... Uh, a GDQ uh, or two ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember watching her do the run. That was it, it, I love watching those runs because of just how silly they are. Yeah. Like it it, it is a very silly looking game, but uh uh don't 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 underestimate it cuz it's incredibly technical like the movement in that game. It's another one of those cases where it it looks pretty straightforward, but like you can put like infinite effort into it to optimize it more and more and the movement tech is actually quite complex so there's a lot of um drifting technique that you can do to speed yourself up and also routing with regards to when you pick up rings how you get your collectibles depending what category you do there is incredible depth to this really goofy kind of meme game there's also uh, weather elements that they put in the game yeah, but we we don't really uh, we don't really uh, do anything with those. So um, they they did put in weather into the game, but they also put in a setting in the options to control the weather. So it's kind of pointless. Yeah, because um, is it like the optimal one to just have it on like snow the entire time? Yeah, for for no out of bounds, you want to have it on snow because there's a lot of water in a lot of the stages, and when there's snow the it's water ice. just it, yeah it's just ice and you can run over it so usually you kind of have to go around the water or platform over it but with ice you just run over in addition to that the snowy weather um actually makes the ground slippy slipper uh, more slippery which sounds like a bad thing but um i i said previously there's a lot of drifting techniques to speed yourself up and when the ground is slippy, uh, you you actually can drift a lot easier, and you actually go faster. Crazy! It's crazy. Great game. Oddly, one of the best soundtracks around. Which yeah. who knows what Sega and Sonic Team were thinking when they decided, hey, what if for this one singular obscure game that people probably aren't going to remember unless they like you know pick up Sonic Gems nowadays. And just give it the most epic soundtrack we could possibly give it with fully lyricized songs for each course. Yeah, and, and they're all bangers. Yeah. They, like, they really are. Like Sonic Sonic R is just like such a a lovable collection of just like baffling decisions. But 
I, I love it so much. Like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and say like it's an incredible game. Like it's not it doesn't have a lot to offer casually. Like playing it like as a card racer is not that great because like the AI is a mess. The the, the <laughs> balancing, the the routing on the stages, like none of this really works as a racing game. But yeah. just like as its own kind of thing, like just as it being Sonic R. Um, and the way you can end up playing it as Sonic R and not as a racing game, if that makes sense, it just becomes such a fun game, and it's such a it it is such a good speed run as well. So Sonic R, the racing game that was never meant to be a racing game, but is a racing game. Yeah, actually, originally, it uh, in the early devs, oh, not really that way, but um, originally, Sonic R was based on a formula one game that traveler's tales were developing and then sega were kind of like oh quick we need a 3d sonic game really quick can you turn this into a sonic game so they turned their sonic their formula one game into sonic r and that is probably part of why it's so weird like with the uh with the with the vehicle physics on running characters and stuff but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I love every aspect of it. It's it's a bizarre game, but it's 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 wonderful. Wow. Okay then. <laughs> I had I had no clue about that Formula One. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, I think there are there is like some model for a Formula One car somewhere in the game files or something like this. Wow, okay then. Is there anything else you wanna add on Triple Trouble or R before we move on to the next topic? No, except for they both need more runners, so give them a shot. If yeah, and with, with, with how you describe both of them, uh, Sonic R, quick speedruns, great, great fun to be had. And Triple Trouble, it's more or less with no, uh, with not a lot of like advanced like skips. It's more of just mastering movement. Seems like a pretty yeah, good time. They're, they're, they're both both about mastering movement. There is actually um I mentioned it earlier, the, the out of bounds category for any yeah. percent R is a mess. Uh, the the hundred percent out of bounds category I think is a much better run because it actually combines doing the glitches with movement and routing. So that makes it a lot in, more interesting. And it's actually the category I put the most effort into in the game. So oh. I can definitely recommend that one. It's also the least accessible because you have to both learn the glitches and the routing and the movement. So it's, it's the hardest category to run, but it's personally my favorite. But because the the all, all the out-of-bounds glitches are kind of very luck-dependent as well, how quickly you get them. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But I'm I'm kind of a weirdo who likes grinding RNG, so it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's one I, I, I really like a lot. But it's not it's not for everyone. But definitely the any percent no out-of-bounds, amazing category to get into. Very easy, very uh like very easy to to get a first run going and to just put however much time you want into it and just keep on improving uh, endlessly. Uh, well, with that, we'll move on to our second topic of the day, which is Burnout Paradise speedruns. Moving from one hedgehog who goes fast to cars that go fast. Wh what got you into the Burnout speedruns? Uh, before I answer that, it's funny that you phrase it like that cars that go fast. Because uh, when you look at the cars in Burnout Paradise, there's actually no driver in them. 
so it's literally just it's, <laughs> it's literally literally. <laughs> literally just the cars that go fast. Damn, um, Lightning McQueen moment. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Cut, ciao. <laughs> but yeah, what 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 got me into it? Um, Burnout Paradise is a game I've played casually a lot since it came out pretty much like on and off not constantly but i've been familiar it came out when i was a teenager and i've played it on and off since and um so i was very familiar i i love that game um i've never been somebody who plays online a lot um or at all for that matter um i've, I've always played single player the game actually has a very active or at least had i'm not sure if it's still as active but um, there was a lot of like competition and like online um, online rooms and stuff for uh, basically individual levels on individual roads in the city map and such. So I've never really been involved in that. I just played it um, casually a lot. And at some point, um, it was not not as suddenly as me getting back into Triple Trouble where I just like was one day, I, I'm going to dedicate my life to this now. But um it was more or less also like a pretty sudden decision, just like remembering the game, like, hey, I spent a lot of time with it. I'm familiar with this game. So let's just look into what the speedrun is like. And um, yeah, I pretty much got into it pretty quickly, learned like the first basic routes and such. Um, and yeah, from there on, uh, I just kept going. What does a speedrun of Burnout paradise look like is there any major skips or is it all like uh, the previous two sonic games we were talking about more or less just about controls and movement obviously it's a racing game so you want to drive fast you want to not crash so that is obvious so drive drive good basically be <laughs> good law um so that, that is that is that is the obvious part to it. What makes Burnout Paradise in particular so fascinating to me is um, the routing. Um, so uh, Burnout Paradise is an open world racing game, and there's a lot of open world racing games out there, and I've uh, dabbled into running a couple different of them, like Need for Speed Underground 2. I've done a little bit years ago, and I've also done like Forza Horizon. Um, these kind of like usually are structured in a way that you have a hub world or not not technically a hub world just like a world yeah your um, open map yeah an, you an go... open an, exactly like an open map that you drive around on and then on that map are events and you do events after events and it lets you progress by doing those and most games are kind of done in a way um you are on the open world then you start an event and then you are on um, a course that is basically uh, walled in, like a walled in course on that open world map um, that you just follow along like a circuit race or something. And then when the race is done, you go back on the open world and do the next event. And the game often gives you like a couple of events at once. So obviously routing those is just like Look, taking a look at what events you have available um, and then picking the quickest ones and just chaining them together. So that is most open world racing games, I think. But what differentiates Burnout Paradise from that, I think, is for one, Burnout Paradise is permanently open world, also during events. So oh. um, during a race event in Burnout Paradise, it's like you have the starting point, you have the end point. You figure out how to get there. 
the game, the, the game is actually very beginner friendly because it kind of has like a built-in GPS uh, kind of very subtly. So the way it's done is um, you have like the blinker on the car and you also have like road sign symbols at the top of the screen that light up to show you the recommended route. But the recommended route is generally like the easiest route, but it's not necessarily the fastest. So if you know your way around the map, um, you can take like any route you want. And there's a lot of uh, like shortcut passages, like going through parks, going through narrow alleyways, going on rails and stuff. Like there's a lot of different routes you can take for every single event. So that's a lot of freedom with how you route the individual events. Outside of individual events, another thing that sets this game apart is Burnout Paradise doesn't give you a couple events at a time. It gives you every event. Oh. You can you can access every event right from the start. And the way progression works is basically licenses and um it's like a driver's license and it's like it, it starts out win two events to upgrade your license then you upgrade the license and the events that you've previously completed reset and you can complete them again and then the next licenses win seven events to get the upgraded license and every time uh, every new license it's it's more events and the requirements to beat events get harder but you also unlock more cars and so on. Yeah, uh, but so you have progression there, but on every single part of that progression, which events you do is completely up to you. So there is no uh, like hierarchy between the different events. Like every single event that is in the game is available to you right from the start. So what routing this game is about is basically finding the quickest events within the single license that you're in. So for example, it starts out with the learner's permit, um, which takes two, uh, two event wins to upgrade. So you do two very quick events that are right at the start um, from where you start the game, basically. So obviously you wanna don't wanna travel far, you just wanna do two quick events. So it takes like one and a half minutes to get the first license done. On a, on a good run. It's a bit wow. RNG dependent, but it is quick, pretty quick that you've done the first uh, first license. Then in the second license, you have to get seven events. So now you have to um, do more races. So obviously now it's going to be a bit harder to find uh, seven quick events to do, especially now since the requirements to beat the events is going to get harder. So if you do the same events again that you did for the previous license, they're not going to be as quick anymore because now they take longer. Um, so these kind of events that you start to run with are uh, road rages. So basically you just have to take down a number of um, opponent cars. So um, pretty RNG dependent, but you basically just crash cars. And once you've reached reach the requirement, you can finish the event, and it starts out with two, then the next one is three uh, for the requirement, and it, it gets one more every time. So, um, And there's another type of event called stunt runs, where you basically do tricks, jumps, rolls, and all that stuff, and it adds up points. And every time you do one of these events, the requirement gets higher. So every time you do one, it's going to take longer than the previous one. So you can't just 
do these like events every time. Um, and also because every license that you do requires you to do more events, you also, with every license, you run basically out of events that are in reach and that you can uh, do very quickly. So the way routing for this works is you basically have to, A, kind of have an overview about what events are there, which events are close to the destination points on the maps where previous events end. And um, then you just have to figure out which ones are the quickest. And because um, you have race events that go from point A to point B, so those are fixed. But then you also have road rages, which is what I mentioned previously, crashed cars. And you have stunt runs, which end when you get the required uh, yeah when you when goal. you get the when you get the requirement so uh, as long as you get the requirement you can drive anywhere you want so those events are very good to connect up events that otherwise would be far away from other events because you can drive to the new events while doing one of these other events so those are very useful for that but also the stunt runs and the road rages again, they get harder with every time you do them. So you don't want to overdo them because at some point they get impossible and they take like several minutes to beat or something. Um, and you obviously don't want that. So you have to find a good balance between not doing too many of those, but the few that you do have to use them as efficiently as possible to connect up events. And basically trying to play this game and routing this game is like trying to figure out a giant puzzle. And I spent so much time just trying to brainstorm different ideas, how to connect up events. And um, actually, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine. His name is uh, um, Trigger, or his Twitch name is It's Trigger. Uh, he also runs Burnout Paradise. And we basically started running together. And it's always like, we also run these games on and off, but whenever one of us decides to pick it up, the other one picks it up again as well. So we always kind of run these games together. And we just, we we did a lot of like rerouting of the, the any percent category and just like bouncing off ideas of each other, how to connect these events. And it's uh, been so much fun just trying to look over the route, trying to come up with cool ideas, how to connect events and such. And uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's been another runner not too long ago by the name of Demo Tank, who I've never actually talked to or been in contact with, I believe, but uh, they just uh, came up with like a new route that has like a lot of really cool ideas about connecting events that I never thought of. So there is like so much stuff you can do if uh, to to just optimize the route and it just never feels like there's... Uh, you're like you have like a perfect route it always feels like oh this part of the route is like feels slightly clunky i bet there's something better here that we can put and there's just so much you can you can uh kind of experiment with on on how to put events together and such and it's it, it's great like like the 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 routing and puzzling aspect is uh gives me so much out of this out of running this game like even if i don't do runs i i can spend so much time just looking at the map looking at what different events there are and how to put them together like this it's just a lot of fun 
Nice. Are there any extension categories for this game aside from just, I, I guess it would be max license would be the main category? What what counts as uh, the any percent goal of the game is um, what's called the burnout license, which I believe is the fifth license upgrade. I might have the numbers wrong, but it's like you do a couple of licenses and at some point it shows the credits. So it's basically that structure that I just explained. Um, but uh, then for the completionists, uh, which uh, Trigger is actually working on, he's working on uh, Towards. It's kind of a long-term project. Um, Towards doing um, a full game run with all events, the final license, uh, all collectibles, all DLC, which he estimates will be about a 24-hour long run, Jeez. which is something I would never do because I don't have the stamina for that. But he's been putting in a lot of work uh, trying to put pieces together uh, for that. And there is a lot of stuff in, in the game aside from just like the regular, you know, car campaign that you can do. Um, so for one, collectibles. Um, the, the, the game is basically designed around just like screwing around in the map and discovering a lot of like uh, cool areas and, and jumps and back alleys. So uh, when you play this game casually, you're not really encouraged to just play through the game and get to the end. You're encouraged to just screw around in the city and see what cool places you can find. Um, so there's a lot of um, collectibles you can find. There's the billboards, there's super jumps, there's smash gates that you can uh, collect and, and complete. And then there's also couple of dlcs that the game has gotten which is uh bike events so you game basically introduces bikes with a whole new set of events which also has its like all of these things i'm saying now have their own category as a, a goal for the run so there's a run for getting all the billboards there's a run for getting all all of the collectibles there's a run for just doing all the bike events there's also the big surf island um DLC, which is a new city map. It's like a, a city, um, like a small city outside on an island that is connected with a bridge, which has a set of uh, new events as well. Big Surf Island is a pretty cool run. It's just like half an hour long. Um, that's a pretty good one to get into. So yeah, that's, that's, that's just a lot of different stuff you can do. And a lot of these, uh, actually all of these pretty much have their own category on the leaderboards somewhere. The The leaderboards are a little bit convoluted because there's so much different stuff in the game. Um, mostly every goal, every every of the standard goals that the game has, has its own category. Um, so there's a lot of different stuff you can do. But I mainly do like the, the regular main game, just like the cast license on the original city. And the run for that uh, takes about two and a half to three hours uh, on, on a good run, depending also what version you're on. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what's your current PB for the game? For the original game, it's uh, 239, which was the record for a little while. Um, but then Trigger beat me, and I haven't managed to PB since then. Uh, the record is, uh, I believe, 235, so about four minutes uh, between us uh that's this game is very up and down so you can very easily get several minutes of time save over the course of a run especially because it's with two and a half hours it's quite long um 
And then there's also the the remastered version of the game, which has all the DLC included from the start, which is a bit cheaty. So it, it feels kind of like a New Game Plus run if you do gotcha. NG Plus. So you can take one of the DLC cars, which is the fastest car in the game, and just do the whole run with that. So that's obviously faster. That that saves like 20 minutes over the course of the <laughs> run or so. Um, so it's, wow. it's quite faster. But yeah, there's these two to game version that that's that's the main difference the original game from 2008 is basically a new game and pl- doing the remastered speedrun is basically new game plus okay okay so what advice would you give to people who are after talking about this now looking to do uh, uh burnout paradise runs or start to pick up the game again the the game doesn't have a lot of runners, so once again, if this interests you at all, please give it a shot. I'd I'd love to see more runners of the game. Um, the game is actually pretty easy to get into. I was pretty intimidated at first because I was thinking like, oh, the whole like city map, you gotta know like every nook and cranny of the whole city, and you gotta remember all all the events and such. Uh, it's actually not that bad. We do have maps, um, so. Uh, if you look in the resources page on speedrun.com, there is maps for like the main category. And you basically just have to follow along um, the numbered junctions on the map. And those are the events that you do in that order. Um, there's a little bit of routing beyond that. You should look into like what's the best way to do a stunt run, like the best way to get the points quickly in that location. But for the most part, you can just follow along the map and just do the events that the map tells you. Um, So that's very easy to get into. And also, I mentioned before, there's all these different shortcut paths that you can take uh, during the the races and such to to get to to the goal quicker. Um, But also, yeah, the game is very beginner-friendly. So if you're a bit intimidated by all these like fancy shortcut routes, you can literally just follow what the game says you and basically just stay on the main roads and it gets you reliably to the end and you just race along the main tracks. And that's a very good way to get into the run, uh, just following the main routes because they, they don't lose an awful lot of time. It's just like a couple seconds here and there that the shortcut route save over the course of the whole run. Of course it adds up, but it's not like massively, um, so that's a very good way to get into the game. You know, just just follow along the main routes, just follow along the map of of events, and uh, you can get your first time for the game pretty easily. And then, if you get more comfortable, you can start adding in more shortcut routes or try to come up with a cool new order of events that you can do. Um, and yeah, there's uh, endless possibilities again with this game. Um, but yeah, um, pretty pretty simple to get into, I would say, despite uh, probably being quite intimidating. At least it was for me. Maybe it's uh, maybe that's just me. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad I got into it, and it was a lot simpler than I thought it would be. Alrighty, uh, is there anything else you want to add on anything that we talked about uh, within these uh, topics? No, not not too much. Just uh, if if you're interested, how how the the full game run goes just uh go go check out trigger it's twitches it's trigger he does uh, a lot of he's been doing individual segments lately and uh yeah again it's a long-term project because it's like a 24-hour run and he's been doing a lot of uh 
also like looking through cheat engine um, stuff, uh, like trying to figure out how vehicle spawns work because you have to take down uh, cars and stuff that spawn more or less randomly to to add to your car collection, basically. And a lot of that is random. And he's been doing a lot of work trying to figure out a reliable way to get these to spawn and to take them down. He's been putting a lot of work into it. And uh, I, I hope uh, to someday see it pay off. Well, with that, then, it's time for us to start putting a close to today's podcast and dive right into the bonus level. Community Q&As, a look back at gaming history and your achievement of the week. Here's this week's bonus level. And to start us off, we have the community corner, which, again, mostly like last week, we do not have any questions from the viewers this week. Uh, but this is also my daily chance or weekly chance to remind you to join the Discord. If you want to have your voice heard in these podcasts, that's where you can do it. Uh, the link is in the description of this podcast, and we will be we take questions on anything that you guys uh, post within the community corner tab within the Discord. Uh, so uh, feel free to join. It's the best way to stay up to date with myself and what I do. Uh, moving on, we are going to dive into this week in gaming history. Uh, here's what happened in the past from October 31st to November 6th. On the 31st, 1999, Capcom released Resident Evil 2 for the Nintendo 64. On the 1st, 1995, Sega released Tales Adventures for the Game Gear in the U.S., which we briefly, we briefly went over that when you were listing off the uh, 8-bit games. Yeah, I mentioned it. I've never actually played it, but I really should get around to it sometime. Uh, well, that that turns... How old would that be? 5 plus 22? 27 years old. Yeah, it's as old as me, so I, <laughs> a double, double reason to finally play it. <laughs> On the 2nd, 2004, Sega released the Sonic Mega Collection Plus uh, for the PS2 and Xbox in North America. Uh, good. That What did Plus add to uh, Sonic Mega Collection? Good question. I have no idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the 3rd, 2004, Sony released the new smaller PlayStation 2 video game system in Japan. On the 4th, 1998, Sony CEA released Crash Bandicoot Warped for the PlayStation in North America for $49. On the 5th, 2003, Koi released Dynasty Warriors 4 Extreme Legends with no E and just an X. For the PlayStation 2 in North America. And lastly, on the 6th, the year 2000, Nintendo released Hey You Pikachu for the Nintendo 64 in North America. The achievement of the week this week is in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, a crappy way to die, which is to kill the enemy in the porta potty. And the game of the week is going to Harvestella. Because there's not a whole lot coming out this week, and it's the one that I think a lot of us recognize thanks to all those Nintendo Directs. Uh, and with that, Nimputs, thank you for coming on the podcast this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. Where can we find you on the internet? Everywhere you can find me, I'm called Nimputs. So on Twitch, on Twitter, on YouTube, on speedrun.com. Uh, I've honestly not been super active lately, but I'm sure I'll be active again at some point so if you if you want to catch me being active at some point in the future uh, you can find me on various platforms as an inputs 
Just gotta wait for that random burst to suddenly speed run Sonic tri- uh, Triple Trouble again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, you can find me over at Radio Tony on Twitter and at Tony's Game Lounge everywhere else on Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and uh, of course, here on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or even, I believe we're on Amazon as well. You might be listening to us and on Amazon Podcasts or Music or whatever that it is. Uh, so you're listening to us wherever you are. Thank you. Be sure to like, share, and follow the podcast. It helps us grow and helps me put out more episodes to you guys. And uh, once again, Nimputs, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for, for having me uh, ramble about my weird three speedruns for a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what th- that's what we're about here. It's just weird speedruns. <laughs> And thank you, the listener, for tuning in this week. I will be back next week uh, with a brand new episode right back here in the Game Lounge. Bye! Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tony's Game Lounge. New episodes release every Monday. Be sure to like and share the podcast and follow Tony on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and TikTok for more updates.